It's good to be back in church, everybody. Uh, if you miss my name, my name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here. And together with uh, my lovely wife, Crystal, and uh, Mark and Candice, we lead the evening meeting. And this is the best congregation. I want to tell you, we missed you dearly. We miss having church together, but we are back, and it is good to be back and worship together. And yeah, just worship was incredible because I feel like God is speaking to His people. And it makes my job easier as a pastor because I know that He is speaking and that hopefully He will lead us and guide us tonight. But as we start the new year, what I do always at the end of the year is I start thinking about the year that was. And I start making a list of things that I can do better, a list of things that I can change, a list of strategies and goals that I set. And even before I start the new year, I have everything laid out. And I am one of those people that enjoy progress, enjoy growth, but I don't like change. I will, do, I will do the bare minimum necessary in order to change. I will do the bare minimum necessary to see that goal or to see that thing change in my life. And I feel like for a lot of us, we enjoy progress and we enjoy growth and we want to be like a better version of ourselves. But oftentimes, we struggle with the change that is necessary for that growth. And so just by a show of hands, who here made a New Year's resolution? New Year's resolution, anyone, anyone? Okay, there's a few. Who here wants to change something about yourself this year? Okay, maybe it's going to the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I won't go to the gym. I don't sweat. I just leak fear because I don't know what to do with the machines. But we all want to change something. But the Christian life isn't one about being a better version of yourself or just morally improving yourself. The Christian life is about living a transformed life through the grace of Jesus Christ. And while uh, praying together with my wife, I just felt like God was speaking to me about this word that actually we need to live a life transformed by His grace in each and every moment. And that I would end the year off more involved with His grace than I started the year. And so what does this mean for us? And I want to ask you this question, and you can write it down, you can take out your phone, take notes. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ in 2024? What does it look like to really follow Jesus? And so I'm going to ask you to turn to your, in your Bibles to Titus, or you can take out your idols. No, I'm joking, your phones. You can take out your phones and go to the book of Titus. It will also be on the screen behind me. But we're going to be looking at what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I feel like God is already speaking to us tonight, and He's wanting to place Himself at the center of our lives again. But it says this in Titus 2, verse 11 to 15. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this prison age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. You are his, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. And so as you think about that question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ in 2024? I pray that you will just meditate on that passage for a second, that the grace of God appeared to you. And to all of us, let's pray. Jesus, we just, we honor and praise you tonight. And we lift up your mighty name, King of Kings. 
But I pray, Lord, that you will speak to your people, that it won't be the clever words of a pastor or high for anything in worship, Lord, but it will be your spirit and your word and your truth, Lord, that cuts through bone and marrow, Lord, and flesh and speaks to our hearts and so that we will live a life transformed by your gospel, by your grace, and that we will be ruined for anything less but you, Jesus Christ. Will you mark people tonight? Will you pour out your spirit and your anointing on people? And may this be a moment where people are transformed forevermore because they encounter the perfect and wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen and amen. I had this burning desire in my heart while, while thinking about what to preach. Is I had a list of things and I had a bunch of stories, but I just felt like God was saying, will you make the main thing the main thing again? Will we put Jesus at the center of our lives? And for me, there's three practical things that it takes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The first is this, to be with Jesus. The second is to become like Jesus. And the third is for the sake of the world. And I just feel like these are three practical ways that we can follow Jesus. And we're going to go through each of them. But it all starts and ends with his grace. And so to be with Jesus means this, that Jesus first chose you. If you are here tonight and you came to church, it's not by coincidence, it's not by happenstance. He chose you before the beginning of the world. And his grace was working from that instant. He didn't come to make a bit, you a better version of you. He didn't come for great church services on a Sunday. He came to save and seek the lost and restore you towards the Father so that you could live a life in fullness in eternity with the Father and that you could be redeemed from sin and have freedom in His name. That is why He came. I am a product of that grace. The people sitting here are a product of that grace and He is calling you tonight. And He wants you to know His grace above everything else. We are a people of grace and a people of faith. And so it is this grace that is at work. This grace that Paul writes to Titus and says, this grace has appeared to you. And maybe you don't have a story where you have encountered the grace of Jesus Christ yet. I want to say, will you open up your heart tonight, sir or ma'am, and watch what he does. If you are feeling that you need something to satisfy you or you're lacking fulfillment or hope in your life, you will find it through the grace of Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been walking with God for a while now. I want to ask you, will you remind your own heart about the grace of Jesus Christ? That grace that called you, that grace which redeemed you, that grace which gave you a hope and a future in eternity. That is the grace which is at work here. We are a people of grace. And so as followers of Jesus, it is by, from grace and by grace that we live and nothing else. It's not by works it's not by your qualifications or your abilities or what you can do in your business or set up for your future and your family. It is only from grace and by grace that we live. And Jesus wants to bring us back to that place of grace. He wants to bring us back to that first love. And so without a show of hands, maybe you made a declaration this year. This is the year that I'm going to read my Bible the most ever. Before. This is the year that I'm going to have epic devotional times. It's going to be like Bethel is in the background, just with a harp. 
whatever that is, I feel like we all have those moments and we all say, hey, this is the year that I want to seek him more than anything else. And I know my own heart cries out. But then as the year goes by, and there's pressures, and there's pleasures, and there's distractions, and there's all these things of life that take place, slowly that fire begins to look more like a, just a little flicker in our hearts. And we get distracted by things that take our, the rightful place away from Jesus Christ. And this isn't a condemnation, because this is my own heart. But Jesus is wanting to be at the center of it all again. And he's wanting to remind us that we live by grace. If we want favor, if we want healing, if we want fulfillment and hope, it starts with acknowledging the grace of Jesus Christ, which is at work in each and every moment in our lives. If you want favor in your business, it starts by acknowledging the grace of Jesus Christ. If you want a whole and happy marriage, it starts with acknowledging the grace of Jesus Christ. If you want a future for your family, it begins with acknowledging the grace of Jesus Christ. You have been called for a plan and a purpose by the grace of Jesus Christ. And we need to know that it doesn't rest in our own ability or anything that we have done. It only rests in Jesus Christ. The greatest danger to the Christian is self-reliance. Where we rely on ourselves to make us a better version, ourselves to change, ourselves to this to do X, Y, and Z better this year. It's only through His grace and His grace alone that we live a transformed life. But we cannot do this if we don't know that He is our Savior and that He is our Lord and that He delights in us above all else. That He has called us, He has chosen us. A sociologist called Charles Horton Cooley says this, I am not who you think I am, I am not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. See, our view of God will determine the view of ourselves. Who we believe God to be will determine how we see ourselves. And how we see ourselves also determines how we view God. If we are always in this rat race of needing to perform for God and this transactional commodity of I will do X, Y, and Z to get God's favor, I promise you, you're missing out on what the gospel is about. It's a gospel of grace. Before Jesus did anything, any work, any miracle, what were the words of the Father declaring over the heavens and the earth? This is my son with whom I am well pleased. He delights in you. It is not based on your status. It is not based on your qualities. It is not based on your qualifications or your business practices or how well you keep your quiet times. It is based on the grace of Jesus Christ. He bought you. He purchased you. And when the Father looks down upon you, He doesn't see your flaws. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your lack or disqualifications. He only sees His Son, Jesus Christ. We need to keep the main thing the main thing again. It's not about better church services. It's not about more hype. That's not how we're going to change the world. We will change the world by showing people the grace of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And so if we want to be a follower of Jesus, we need to be with Jesus. We need to be in His presence. We need to seek Him earnestly. We need to seek Him above all else. I heard this amazing statement, if... If you had to make a list of your top 10 priorities and you write them down, 
And I think often I would put God at the top of my list and then maybe my, my wife and then a list of other priorities. But then I got asked the question, okay, assign the time that you spend on each or give attention to each for each of those things. And I realized quickly, while I said God was at the top of my list, the time that I prioritized for him, he very quickly slipped down the list. What we worship, we will become like. What we give our attention to, we will become like. Are we seeking him earnestly? People need Jesus Christ. They don't need a religion. They don't need a belief system. They don't need a, a set of principles. They need Jesus. And as we go out, as we spend time in his presence, we will show the grace of Jesus Christ through our lives. There's this amazing story, and you probably have read it in the Bible. It's in Luke 10, and it's one of the best examples of this. It's the story of Martha and Mary. And Martha is preparing a meal, and she's preparing her house because Jesus is coming. And she's doing a bunch of things, and she's getting quite annoyed at Mary because Mary was uh, checking Instagram and uh, looking at when Jesus was coming and checking when he was going to arrive. And then eventually she just sat at his feet and was with Jesus. And Mary and Martha's frustrated. She needs help in the kitchen. She needs help to do all these things. But this is what Jesus says here. This is what it says about Martha. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. When is the last time you sat at the Lord's feet just listening to what he said? Not with a list of requirements, not with asking him to bless you, just listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. The answer is, no, he didn't care. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You know when he says it twice, it's important. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Those words worried and upset in the Greek are actually translated as you are pulled apart and dragged away. How often are we pulled apart and dragged away? We are pulled apart by our anxieties, by our worries, by our fears, by how we can provide for our families, by how we need to meet target, by what we will study one day, what career we will go into, who we will marry. We're pulled apart by all these things. And then we are dragged away from sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I'm not against technology, but there's a study that shows that the average human can only go 12 minutes without picking up their phone in a day. Only 12 minutes. Are we distracted away from His presence because of things in our life? And I'm preaching to my own heart here. And Jesus is calling us again, come, come to me. Come to me, be with me. Be in my presence. Be at my feet. If you need healing, if you need wholeness, if you need hope, be with me and I will give you rest for your souls. It's only at the feet of Jesus Christ. 
will we come to him? See, Mary has chosen what is better. Healing, fulfillment, joy, and belonging can only be found at the feet of Jesus Christ. Will you choose what is better? As a follower of Jesus in 2024, will you choose what is better? Not just for the first week, for the first month, will you choose what is better? Will you choose to honor him? Will you choose to worship him? Will you choose to trust him above all else? Because I promise you, he is faithful, life changes church. You, you serve a good and glorious Savior who died for you, who called you out out of sin and brokenness and shame, and who has an inheritance for you. You can trust Him. This year, choose the one thing that really matters, like Mary did. Choose what is better. We need to be like Jesus. And then as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to become like Jesus. And I promise you, if you ask my wife, what are words that describe Michael? It's not Jesus. But that is what I am called to as a believer. I am called to as a follower. Jesus didn't come to die as a, a, for a religious system. He came to die for a relationship with the Father. It's practicing the way of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus means that we practice the way, that we live in the same way that Jesus did, and we continue his good works on this earth knowing that there is eternity in heaven. It's not just being saved from something, it's being saved for something. We are made right in the eyes of the Father. And Paul is writing this to Titus, and he's saying, I want to remind you of the grace of Jesus Christ, but then I want to remind you that that grace should be transforming you and making you into the image of Jesus Christ with each passing moment, because that is the truth and the hope of the gospel. That we come as we are, but we do not stay as we are. And so the promise of the New Testament is a full-on transformation for those who surrender, trust in, and give full allegiance to Jesus Christ. It's not just an added extra. It's not just going for over-the-counter medicine for your problem like you do at clicks. No, it's a full transformation of your life. If you are anxious, I promise you, you can find healing and freedom in Jesus Christ because that's what the Bible promises. There is rest for our souls. And we want progress, but we don't all want change. And that word change, that word transformed, gives root to, to the word metamorphosis. And if you think about metamorphosis, you think of a caterpillar. Now, when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, what does it come out as? An eagle. No, not an eagle. It doesn't come out as a more colorful caterpillar or a better caterpillar or more advanced caterpillar, it comes out as a butterfly. It is transformed. That is what the grace of Jesus Christ does. He died on the cross for our sins. He was dead and raised to life, and we were raised to life with Christ Jesus, and our sins were wiped white as snow, and we are redeemed in the eyes of the Father. That is the Jesus that we serve. You are transformed. You are transformed. Do you believe that you are transformed? That you can say no to the power of sin? You can say no to that sin that you're stuck in? You can say no to fear and worry and anxiety because you are transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. And this transformation is ongoing. Each day, each passing moment, His grace is fresh every morning and offers new transformation and new life each and every day.
We need to be with Jesus and become like Jesus. And it's not out of our own ability. See, the world wants to disciple us to live as if there was no God. And what I mean by that, it's not as if God does not exist. But it means that we live as if we were not wholly dependent on God. That's what the world wants you to do. The world wants you to live as if there was no God. That you can do it by yourself. That you can do it in your own ability. That just coming to church on a Sunday is enough. Ticking the box Christian on a home affairs form is enough. That will get you to heaven one day. That's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about transforming us for the sake of the world so that people may encounter him and his grace and his freedom and his healing and his hope. That's what the gospel is about. There's three lies about spiritual growth that we believe as believers. And the first one is, I need to know more. I just need to know more Bible, I need to know more scriptures, and I will become more like Jesus. And I want to tell you that is a lie. Information does not lead to transformation. More church is not going to lead us to change. If we don't consciously set our hearts to finding the presence of God, we will not find it by accident. If we do not consciously seek Him and intently pursue Him, we will not find Him by accident. Secondly, it will not happen automatically. Colossians 3 verse 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. In verse 12 it goes on, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. John Wesley says it this way, The best means of resisting the devil is to destroy whatever of the world remains in us in order to raise for God upon its ruins a building awe of love. Then we shall begin in this fleeting life to love God as we shall love Him in eternity. If after having renounced all, we do not watch incessantly, and beseech God to accompany our vigilance with us, we shall be again entangled and overcome. We have to resolve in our hearts to make Jesus the first thing again. And I can't do this for you. And a course in church can't do this for you. Only by encountering the grace of Jesus Christ can do this in your heart. Because outside of His grace, I was an anxious man, I was a depressed man, I was a man who did not believe he had any hope in any future. But in his grace, I am a son. In his grace, you are a son and a daughter. In his grace, you are chosen. In his grace, you are redeemed. And the third lie about spiritual growth is that you can do it alone. Jesus says, come, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The gospel is the good news for everyone. And I don't believe that better church is the hope of the world. I believe that as believers going out as the church, that is the hope of the world. And so my third point is this. We need to firstly be with Jesus. Secondly, become like Jesus. And then three, for the sake of the world. We cannot share the grace of God if we do not have first encountered the grace of God. 
But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are supposed to be transformed in His image. And in the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ, we are more transformed. And Jesus' last words were this, go out and make disciples. And I don't know about you, but the last words of Jesus should be the first that I follow. But so often they're the ones that I leave to the end. I'm too busy. I'm too anxious. I'm too fulfilled with other things. That's not what I am called to. That's not what I need to be placed. That's not my gifting. That's not my talent. No, that's the core of the gospel. If you have encountered grace, you are supposed to bestow grace. We are called to live transformed lives for the sake of the world. There is eternity at stake, Life Changes Church. I don't know if you believe in sin and death and that we have been saved from hell, saved from eternal damnation by the grace of Jesus Christ. And that actually that should burden us that there are others that are needing that same grace. I never want to become too churched that I lose sight of what this is all about people encountering His grace. It's not about the brand Life Changes Church. It's not about my personal journey of becoming better. It's about people encountering Jesus. That's what it's all about. And I feel like we've lost sight of that. I feel like we've gotten so entangled in things of this world, in pleasures and pressures and media, and things that fulfill us, that we have lost sight of what it's all about, Jesus Christ. The way that we live should be a testimony to Jesus. The jokes we make, the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our colleagues and our employees, the way we handle our finances should all speak to the grace of Jesus Christ because we are transformed and redeemed and it's not because of principles it's not because a pastor says so but it's because he has chosen New Life Changes Church do you believe that you are chosen tonight as you are here sitting tonight do you believe that you have been called and chosen by Jesus Christ that he has a plan and a purpose for your life That there is hope, there is freedom, there is joy. Jesus didn't call us to, be, to a belief. He called us to a way of life. And so God's kindness and grace leads to a transformed life. And I'm going to end with a statement by a pastor called Ian Simpkins. And he says this, We are not simply called to be in the world for God. We are called to be in God for the world. It's a different way of living. We are called to be in God. We are called to be in His presence. We are called to draw near to Him. We are called to worship and praise Him above all else. Why? Because the world is in desperate need of Jesus. The world is not in need of more church. The world is in need of of us to be the church. Can I ask you to stand to your feet?
three simple points. But I believe that God is beckoning his people to let go of all distractions, to let go of everything, every idol, everything that we have placed on the throne of our lives that take his rightful place. And he's calling you again to worship him in awe and wonder and splendor. To live your life to the fullest in the grace that he has given you. To show the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ wherever you go. To say no to the power of sin. To say no to worthless things and to trust in him again. And so with all eyes closed, going to ask the band to come up and we're going to worship in a moment but God did something in worship tonight and I believe he's speaking to us and he's calling us and we will become like the thing that we worship And so in 2024, what does it mean for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What do you need to let go of? What decisions do you have to make to honor and worship Him above all else? Right now, just allow God to speak to you. Where is He leading you? Where is He guiding you? How is He transforming you and shaping you? Have you given your whole heart to him? Have you given him everything that he desires? Have you given him each and every part in your life that there is nothing left untouched by the grace of Jesus Christ? So with all eyes closed, Jesus, we honor you. Praise you and we worship you and we give you all the glory tonight. Will you come and speak to your sons and daughters? Will you come and show us where there are ways in our lives that we need to change to be more like you, to be with you in your presence at your feet, Lord, where we are pulled apart and dragged away, Lord. I pray that we will come to your feet again. That there will be moments of worship and moments of prayer which are so profound and which are so life-changing, Lord, that we will be ruined for anything else. That we will seek your word and your ways above all else. We will seek you with earnest hearts. We will seek you with a passion and a fire burning inside of our lives. We will seek you above all else, Lord. That life changes, PM congregation, will be ruined for anything else but Jesus. And that as we go out, as we step out of our doors, that is a mission field for you, for the sake of the world. That as we go out, we will carry the grace and the power of Jesus Christ wherever we go. But it's all because of you. So we sing, great are you, Lord.
great are you, Lord. You are great. You are awesome. You are wonderful. You are majestic. You are mighty to save. You are all-powerful. Great are you, Lord.